winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. I hope you all had a great holiday. Uh, I did as well. Chris McCarthy is going to be back tomorrow. Um, but for now, uh, I'll be joined by you this evening at 8.05 p.m. I'll be joined by Paul Haro, the Bristol County Sheriff-elect. He just toured uh, the facility with uh, both jails and the uh, offices and met with department heads with um with outgoing Sheriff Hodgson. So he's going to call in. He's going to react to his visit there. There is a column on WBSM.com, but Haro's going to add some more commentary to that at the 8 o'clock hour. But here in the 7 o'clock hour, um, uh, we're briefly joined by a New Bedford Light columnist, Jack Spillane. Hey, Jack. Hey, Marcus. Thanks for here from you. Yeah, it's good to hear from you. Thank you for taking time out of your week off uh, to call into the program. Um, the, the the news doesn't uh, take a vacation, so I really do appreciate that. Um, so, 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 Jack, um, you have a column out, and it's basically discussing, you know, we've had the mayor on here. Uh, we've had the mayor on this program a, a couple times to talk about this. I know he's, during his weekly segment with Tim's show, he talked about the need to raise pay for city workers because what city workers are getting paid, uh, especially department heads are getting paid, is woefully um, short of what other uh, le- what other similar areas in the Commonwealth are getting paid. And so it's it's making it hard for them to find jobs. But in your column, you raise uh, a couple of there's a couple of pay raises because this all had to be approved by the city council that are um, a lot higher uh, than what other department heads are getting in the Commonwealth. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I I should uh, first say that I I support uh, raising the the pay of uh, managers. um, Of course. uh, Unit seat people in New Bedford, that they are out of date and that the city definitely is having a hard time attracting people, particularly at the upper echelons with positions like chief financial officer. Yeah, they still haven't replaced Ari Skye since he went to Lakeville. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a position that's very highly paid because the person taking it could work in the private sector for much more. That is not the case with all city positions. And um, our uh, New Bedford Light reporter, Arthur Hirsch, I want to give him credit for for first spotlighting the story, um, yeah. there were several positions: the um, uh, director of leash law, the director of finance, and and, and there were four or five others. A, a couple of them were over fifty percent higher than the median average for their salaries in Massachusetts, and then there were four or five others that were thirty-two to forty percent higher than the median average. The median average, of course, is the most frequently occurring 
um, pay raise. Uh, there was not another uh, um, director of lease law or, or we, we, more commonly known as the animal control officer yeah, animal in control. Massachusetts that, that, that makes um, anywhere near what um, Manny Maceo is going to make. And Manny's a good guy. I'd stipulate that. And um, so, there, uh, you know, I just really felt that these positions, um, the the jump was so great that um, you don't have to listen to me. You can just listen to um, uh, uh, the the human resources director, Judith Keating, yeah. who said that, that, that they raised issues of equity that, you know, is going to come back to haunt the city in, in terms of other positions, both management and um, the AFSCME union, which uh, has already asked for similar treatment. Um, I don't know how you do that because these these people were kind of singled out. Well, so here's the so um, I, I I I've never met um, the animal control officer Manny Mayfield, but I've heard he's a good guy. Uh, yeah. And there's other like you said, there's other people that are getting similar pay bumps. Um, the 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 background of this is basically the mayor had had a third party come in, um, people that do this for a living, and evaluate where they are now and where they need to be. And the mayor's office then took that data and put it into a proposal for the city council to adopt, um, to amend if they want and adopt. Now, I thought the city council was going to, um, just especially based on some commentary during some of the hearings before, I thought they were going to vote to lower some of those pay raises. But instead, they, like you said, for those positions, made them exponentially higher like you said the animal control officer position in the city which won't necessarily it's not even and arthur hirsch did have a good column making this issue a, a thing uh making that raising this issue and then had a nice column about manny maceal but it's not really about him specifically because he will at some point not have that job and then there'll be another one um and that person will get paid one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year uh, against the $80,000 a year that that position was worth. Is there any specific reason that was cited by the city council about why there was a pay raise uh, of that magnitude? So so these big pay raises, and I'd I just like to bring it beyond um, uh, the animal control and finance director. There were also big pay raises given to the veterans services director, yep. the um, community services director, and the... Um, uh, this one was proposed by the mayor, the emergency management um, uh, uh, director. And uh, so what they said was that the moving force were two councils behind this. A uh, part of the the big jump was due to um, Councilor Morad, Linda Morad, longtime councilor, had proposed moving some positions as much as five and six grades higher than they had been uh, because she felt they were underpaid. And um, she felt that the, the rationale she gave was that if a, a positions that were classified as directors should basically be paid ab about the same amount within one or two grades of each other. Yeah. Uh, positions that were classified as assistant directors should be within one or two grades. And so people who were four or five grades. Now, the converse argument to that is that all directors and assistant directors in the city are not equal. Some people oversee you know, departments of 50, 60 and more people and other yeah. people oversee departments of one or one person. And mm -hmm. um, the the level of skills of some people and their employability in the private sector, for instance, the director of MIS, who is a uh, computer programming guy, is, is, is far more employable, I would argue, than, than say the director of veteran services or, 
or finance uh, or licensing. Now, nothing to say against either the, uh, Chris Gomes, who is the director of veteran services, or uh, Nick Nanopoulos, the director of licensing. Now, from all reports, they both did a good job, but I just don't think all those positions are equal. The second part of it was Councilor Carney proposed that people who are long-term employees, and this mainly affects people who have a lot of years, like 20 years with the city, the city operates on a, um, a step program to give increases to people who have been around a just, long just time. Like, just like all, just like all towns do. You know, when I, I'm, I'm yes. you know, in the BPW in Fairhaven, we we operate on the step program too. We hire people at certain steps, and then they can move up as as um, uh, uh, appropriate. That's right. So in the old classification system, before they changed this, there were going there were eight steps. In the new one, there's going to be twelve steps. So if a person is been here for 20 years, they are likely to be at the seventh or eighth step, mm-hmm. and they're making much more than a person who would be just starting in their position. But when those jobs were reclassified, some of those new salaries were higher even than the the position that they, the person was working at when they were at step seven or eight. Right. So, um, Councilor Connie proposed that, that the um, instead of returning to step one, and start all over again. So say that you were making 30000 at step eight of the old job, and then under the new classification, you're making 32000 at step one. What she proposed was that people at, at the higher steps only have to keep some of their steps, not have to go all the way back to one. But that allowed some people who are very long-term employees at the highest step levels to have a, a big boost beyond the 5% increase that everybody got for being reclassified. To, to bring it more into the, the level of competitiveness. And that resulted in some salaries. Um, I think the biggest one that I saw was uh, Cynthia Walquist from the, the director of, uh, I think her title is director of community services. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she oversees things like the Council on Aging and um, uh, the Human Rights Human Relations Commission, things like that. Uh, she went from I think ninety three to one hundred and forty three thousand in one fell swoop. Yeah, you know, I, I I just don't think that it's a you know, fifty thousand uh, dollar pay raise. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, and it was a combination of her grades being increased by Councilor Morad, which passed ten to zero, and the um, steps uh, being preserved by Councilor Connie. Now, in their defense, those two councilors made their arguments in public. There were other councilors that sat silent and then voted for them. Now, right. in defense of the councilors who didn't say much and then voted for them, what I would say is that in order to reclassify salaries, you have to have eight votes. It's a three-quarter vote um, uh, of the 11 members. It's not a simple majority. It's sort of like the um, local version of the filibuster. Mm-hmm. So you have to have eight votes, not six, to pass this. And you know, with uh, so council, that, that means once you get past Councilor Morad and Councilor Connie, you only need one more vote to stop it. You know, uh, right. let me see, nine, nine, ten, eleven, two more votes to stop it. So it, it, it's. I think the other councilors may just have just decided. Well, there were enough councilors that were going to support um, Morad and Connie that that they had to trade votes, and that's kind of the messy messiness of government. And I understand that, but. I do think that these kinds of huge amount of increases all at once, you know, the rank and file workers in the unions notice them. The other managers who didn't get them may feel, well, I think my job is as important as somebody else's job. And 
you know, so it's a very subjective process. And I thought it was best left to the human resources director who, you know, really is the person who has the expertise in, in this area. Yeah. Um, so is the, so we know that they haven't really given a convincing uh, public reason for these pay raises. Uh, but is there maybe a um, an underlying reason that hasn't been expressed yet? Well, I mean, you know, I think that there are positions in city government. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just say it because yeah. I asked you to I, I asked you to ask a question I knew the answer to. Um, is, and it's basically that I think some of those department heads are friends with the city councilors that uh, that gave the pay raises. I think that's pretty clear on its face. Yeah. So I, I don't I, I don't know. I'm I'm I'm. I'm <laughs> I think I'm fairly close to city government, but maybe not close enough. I don't. I don't know that for a fact. There are certain. I do know for a fact that favors go back and forth mm-hmm. from from councilors who who, you know, extol how great they are at constituent services. And constituent services is always something that's made me vaguely uncomfortable because basically what it means is that <laughs> you're, you're getting city government to do something for you. So, so say <laughs> the street light is out on your street and you want to fix. Okay, that's understandable. You're paying taxes, but. Yeah. Somebody else's street light is also out. Uh, so you call a councilor and ask your street light to get fixed, and somebody else doesn't call. They just hope the city will get to it. Well, if you leap the line and get your street light fixed before somebody else's, I don't think that's good government. I think, think they should, you know, either fund enough that they can do them all at once, or if you have to wait, it, 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 you should have to wait. And some mayors, I know Mayor Lang and Mayor Kalis got frustrated by it. They didn't want the council to always be communicating directly with the department heads. I'm not going to make a case that I know of a favor that went back and forth between a specific department head, but I know it gets mm-hmm. done. In fact, some of the, some of the councils brag about how good they are on, on constituent services. Yeah, so, and constituent you know, services is basically getting uh, a city department to um, complete a task that's requested to the city councilor by a voter, yeah. by a resident of the city. Yes, and also I think a lot of it is getting the tax completed in a timely manner. Yeah, and you know, I just don't, you know, I think that you know the person that doesn't, you know, know enough to call a city council or doesn't know that the game is played that way or contribute to a city council or however, you know, that they are stuck waiting for whatever their service is. So I, I've always been. I mean, I, I really think. In a perfect world, the request for constituent services would go to the department heads. It wouldn't go to the councils. They're a policy-making body. That's not the way it works in reality, and we all know that. But then you have the, the council deciding which department heads deserve to be moved up five or six grades and which ones don't. And so I, I think that it's just not a good system. We had a professional human resources director who made recommendations, and and these were leapfrog. And then she warned them about two particular ones, and those were only the most egregious ones. Yeah. Not, and then she didn't she didn't warn them about the ones with the most dollar increases. She warned them about the ones that were so far above what anybody else was paying in the state that she thought that they, they presented equity issues, you know, for the city. You know, paying you know, the, she could not come up with a reason why those people were being paid so much more. So, you know, uh the council is you know, uh Councilor Morad in particular, uh, you talked about some of the positions, why she felt they did more than other people. Uh, Mrs. Keating rebutted her, you know, and so it was a debate. You know, I'll, I'll just give one example. Uh, Councilor Morad said that uh, the animal control officer does, um, 
euthanasia for, for animals that need to be put to sleep. And not all animal control officers do that. But um, yeah, Mrs. Keating said, no, uh, 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 some it's not unknown. Some animal control officers do do that. And so what we found out was that the the highest person we could find uh, was Boston, which paid, was, was going to be paid $12,000 less, more, less than the New Bedford is now going to be compared paying for it's it's um boston 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 is is literally seven times the population of of new bedford too yeah Um, yeah so i don't i don't know what that job does in boston and what versus what it does in new bedford but when you when you hear judith keating saying that it's 52 percent more than the median of any other place in the state that that I don't know. Is is, is New Bedford fifty two percent wealthier than yeah. in most places? And, and in again, the and again, this is this isn't even personal to the people because, like, again, all these people that we're talking about, they're not going to have those jobs for for till the end of time. There's going to be somebody no. else signed up for this job, and you know, it's it, it's it's something that's going to continue. And I guess from from this point on, uh, I guess increase uh, over time. Yeah. And is it yes, and the council, the council has said that this is not about the person; it's about the position. Yeah. But in all honesty, I, I just mm. think the, me thinks the lady does protest too much when they, <laughs> yeah. when they say that. Yeah. Like, you know, because yeah. you know these are this is not a big this is not a big metropolitan city. It's a it's a, it's a mid-sized city, and everybody knows who these people are. You know, so how did um, um yeah how did uh how did they propose that this this uh increase in these salaries which wasn't accounted for obviously which wasn't budgeted for by the mayor's office when they proposed this stuff but how, well, the mayor the, the mayor did have his own favorite uh the, the emergency management director Brian the Brega yeah he wanted to increase him by five or six points and I thought you know he talked about well you know we had the pandemic and then we had the um uh uh the climate crisis and the guys working a lot of overtime. He doesn't get paid for any of that overtime. And mm-hmm. what he said was that the private market, EMS directors can get paid a lot more money than the $75,000 that he was making. Okay. Yeah. But I, I just think that once you say, I think this guy is doing more then you leave yourself open to the council and say, well, I think this person is doing more. Right. So I think a better way to do it. And I said, so in my column would be to have create a whole new job, maybe a whole new department for him and, you know, make him, uh, a higher position than he already was rather than trying to pay him a lot more for the same position that, that he was in. But, you know, so I, I didn't think the mayor was, you know, the, may, the mayor will disagree with me on this, of course, but I, I, I you know, I, I, I mean, I, you know, the human resources director, Keating, she went along with the mayor's recommendation, but then she works for the mayor. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. you know, I mean, so I don't know. I, I, I just think when you see those kind of numbers, and you see those kind of percentages that, that, that somebody is getting paid 32, 40, 50, 52 percent more than the median of everybody else in the state. Eh, yeah. I think that's hard to swallow for a working class city like New Bedford. I, th- I think so. And, um, you know, uh, the other thing is like these proposals, they basically. The problem with these proposals is that the mayor, you know, the the urgency of it required the mayor to basically put everything forward in one comprehensive package and the city council votes on it in one comprehensive package. So he doesn't have a line item veto. He can't. That's right. He can't. That's right. He can't say, OK, well, I'll take this one, but not this one. He has to take the whole package or reject the whole package. And he has already said he's 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 prepared to sign the whole the the entirety yeah, of the agreement. But. but- but my, my understanding is that he is prepared to sign it because for those top positions, CFO, 
Um, and also a lot of other positions that, that, that need to be upgraded, yeah. that, that he just needs to get them through. But I think he wants to really visit this, especially for the, the big salaries that were increased. He just had to get through to get the, the reclassification, so I think he's just going to sign this. The other thing um, he mentioned to me is that he's very concerned about the um, ordinance the council passed a few years ago uh, that when you go to hire a new person, there's a 10% reduction yeah. in pay if they don't agree to live in the I, city. I and thought that was so you, stupid, honestly. Yeah, I didn't agree with it at all. trying to attract a, a chief financial officer yeah. who can work in the private sector, and you say to him, you have to live in New Bedford, and he commands a salary that allows him to live virtually wherever he wants to, and maybe his children are in school or in a system that he wants. You know, I just think that that's... I, I don't see how that, that ordinance ever works for the city. And can you imagine being interviewed, and then the city has to inform you... Oh, by the way, I guess we're going to try to pay you higher because there'll be a ten percent reduction of your pay when the first day you start. Yeah, I just don't see how that. Yeah, I I don't. I don't see it either. I mean, it's just the fact of the matter is that municipalities, especially the ones the size of uh, areas around here, just don't have the. They don't have the. uh, they don't have the population to to get the talent pool needed. Like I said, over here at Fairhaven, the BPW, if we only hired people in Fairhaven, or if we cut the pay of people that that by ten percent, the people that wanted to, that live somewhere else that wanted to come work here, we wouldn't be able to get. Uh, it would be very difficult to uh, to 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 get some people. But yeah, I mean, there may be some positions you can do that for, but other positions, I think it's going to be hard. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Hey, Jack, um, thank you for joining me. Uh, again, I appreciate you taking your time out of your uh, vacation to, to give me a call and talk about that issue. NewBedfordLight.org uh, is where people can read this column and and your other uh, your other work as well as some of the work that the great reporters you got uh, there are doing. I understand that you guys were recognized for your nonprofit journalism by uh, Boston.com recently, so, so congrats on that. Yeah, we, we continue to... Um to grow and uh, uh, just uh, functioning as a nonprofit, uh, uh, we think we're, we're hoping to serve the city even better in this coming year. Thanks for joining me, Jack. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. That was Jack Spillane, New Bedford Light columnist. Uh, again, appreciate him taking time out of his uh, out of his uh, out of his vacation to talk to us. But about, I think, a really important issue. Uh, it's a good column. You can check it out on newbedfordlight.org. Um, you can also hear Jack every Monday at. Uh, 11 p.m. on the Tim Weisberg show, uh, 11 p.m., 11 a.m. on the uh, on the Tim Weisberg show. He has a segment with Tim Weisberg every Monday at 11 that I think is a must listen if you're a, um, if you are, uh, I mean, if you're tuning into this show, right, you, you got to listen to the uh, the Tim Weisberg segment too. Uh, at, that that airs at eleven that you can catch on the podcast too. So, I want to thank Jack for coming on and talking about that important issue. Again, we've got uh, Paul Haro, the Bristol County Sheriff elect. He's going to call in at uh, he's calling in at eight p.m. Uh, he has he has um, he just toured the Bristol County Sheriff off, uh, Sheriff's Office facilities with um, with his former political rival, Sheriff Hodge. And I have a column on that in WBSM.com that you can go and you can take a look at uh, if you'd like. And we can um, and then, uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll talk with uh, with Hero. I, I talked to him a little bit uh, before earlier today and he has some additional commentary that he didn't get because he had a media availability uh at the uh, at the event but he has some additional commentary 
that he thought about and he wanted to add uh, to the con- to the to his reaction to the um, the facilities and all that. And I think it's really important. Um, so you'll definitely want to hear this comments, uh, his comments on that. I think I think they're really uh, they're going to be really valuable. So all right, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get on the program this evening. I'm going to take a break now, and we'll be right back. This is South Coast tonight. Uh, I'm Marcus. Download the W City Council. Uh, if you'll remember, last week we had uh, Councilor at Large Shane Burgo on. He. He came on last week for an hour and talked to us and took calls and app chat messages from the from the audience. And by the way, if you want to call in, you can at 508-996-0500. You can also send us a message on the WBSM app chat if you have it. And we, I can read it uh, on the air. So so um, Shane Burgo uh, came on the show to talk about him and Councilor Pereira's walkout of a city council meeting. So what happened basically was uh, last was December 13th on Tuesday, December 13th, there was a meeting uh, of the city council committee on appointments and briefings. The committee on appointments and briefings is chaired by counselor Naomi Carney. She, they had a quorum for the meeting. There were nine items or there were 10 items on the agenda Nine of them were appointments to boards and commissions in the city, really important boards and commissions, the Voctech School Board, the Port Authority, the Liquor Licensing Board, uh, the Board of Health. So there's a few there that were really important to get um, uh, that were really important. They had a total of seven counselors there. Shane Burgo was Shane Burgo was there. Well, so it'll be easier to mention the counselors that weren't there. Uh, Ian Abreu, Brian Gomes, Scott Lima were not there. And of course, as you'll remember, Hugh Dunn resigned in early December. He resigned. So the, uh, so there are only 10 counselors. So there's really four seats that are missing. There are really four seats that are missing, but in terms of active city councilors, there were three that were missing. So they had seven. They had seven councilors there. The quorum is six. Now, if you're not familiar with what a quorum is, a quorum is basically the required number of people needed in a meeting of a corporate board or a governmental organization or a nonprofit board or, you know, whatever of a board. A number of people required for uh, the number of people required to take votes. So if you have a quorum, you can take votes. And that's typically a quorum is a simple majority of the total number of the body. In this case, the majority of 11 would, of course, be six. So there were six. uh, I don't know if they if it's if it's 10, you know, even if they're even if they're going by 10 because one's gone, it would still be six. So either way, it's six. So there were seven there. Shane Burgo then motioned to adjourn the meeting as soon as it started because he thought there weren't, and he said this, there weren't enough city councilors to adequately consider the items on the agenda. Now there were again nine appointments to those boards and commissions that were important, and then there was a a, uh, a hearing, a demolition, uh, a hearing to uh, a demolition a demolition hearing for a historically preserved building. 
they voted. So there were some complaints from the crowd. They voted uh, three to four. The motion failed. The three to four uh, against the motion. The motion failed. Shane Burgo and then Ryan Pereira walked out of the city council meeting. They got up and they walked out of the of the chambers. That brought the quorum. That brought the total number of councilors down to five. They no longer had a quorum. Carney was forced to adjourn the meeting. Now I looked in that. You can look on the cable access video, and you can see that there were a lot of people there. I've gone to quite a few city council meetings and even committee meetings, and that was one of the better attended ones you could see. Just ba- just from looking at the the uh, New Bedford cable access uh, cable access um, footage of the meeting. So Burgo and Burgo and Pereira walk out. So I asked Burgo why he walked out. And he said it was because uh, a couple reasons. One, there were uh, one. He didn't, you know, he really didn't think there were enough people on the board to consider those not, especially those nine appointments. And two, he accused Councilor Carney of scheduling the meeting at an inconvenient time for the sole purpose for the sole purpose of blocking two committee appointments, one of them being the the licensing board, the other one being the Vogue Tech School Committee. Now, the Vogue Tech School Committee has some deeper stuff going on, too, because they they have to comply with some admission standards that are new that are coming down from the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. I don't know if they're doing a good job of that. And so they need a this 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 nominee, Carol Pimentel, uh, is in favor of the new admissions, whereas I think the Vogue administration is against it. Uh, I'm in favor of those new the, those new policy those new admission policies, by the way, too, because Vogue schools are essentially treated as a, a private school now. And uh, Burgo brought this up in the in the uh, in he brought this up on air that basically the demographics of Vogue, you know, when it was on Hillman Street to where it is now are, are starkly different. And it frankly does need to change. But anyway, so Burgo accused them of doing Burgo accused Carney of basically um, scheduling this meeting at a inconvenient time so that fewer counselors could be could be there because you need six votes to get anything to get anything passed, you need at least six votes. In some cases, to get any, anything out of committee, you need six votes. In some cases, you need eight votes, a supermajority. So, you know, he, I think he, a lot of the focus was on him walking out. But what he said was the focus should be on those committee, uh, those committee appointments because because uh, some of them, he said, have been in have been languishing in committee for about a year and a half, at least a year and a half, at least some of them have been there since 2021. So, uh, I had mayor Mitchell on too. He talked about it. Uh, uh, he, he talked about it. He actually went as far to, as far as to call the meeting a charade and said, Burgo and Pereira did the right thing. Um, because and he accused Councilor Carney of essentially uh, the same thing, sitting on. He said sitting on appointments. I talked to Naomi this morning. I talked to her a little bit last week. She's going to come on sometime next week and clarify her position on this. Um, but you know, f- from the discussions she said on the record, she's basically saying no, none of that is true. All right, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get in the program. Good evening. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Good. How are you? 
Hopefully all day went well. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at the licensing board appointment. Uh, from what I can have read, Mr. Resendez is the new nomination, right? And yeah. he uh, is there uh, to replace, is it Borgard? Yes, guy? it is. Okay. So now Mr. Borgard is also the, I guess, the executive director of the housing authority. Correct. Okay. And that's where all Section 8 uh, pieces get approved or unapproved, right? Yeah. So, so the, the political ramifications for a city council who's trying to get somebody uh, a Section 8 certificate would be completely thwarted if they uh, allow Mr. Resentis to get through, and that's the problem. That's the way I look at it. Could be. Uh, you look I, at it. I mean, yeah. Steve, Steve's been on that board for a long time, uh, yeah. and so I think there are definitely a lot of people on the city council that like him. I mean, I like him. I think he's a. I, I, I like him. I think uh, he's I'm a good sure guy. he's a great guy. Yeah, but the, the political stuff is is being swept under the rug here. <laughs> yeah. You look at the Section Eight piece in the city of New Bedford, and if politicians are the people that are lining up people for Section Eight. There's no wonder you got regular citizens who qualify for it that have been on the list for 15 years. Yeah. Okay. So this is a problem. Uh, and, and I think, you know, the mayor's appointment of Mr. Resendez should immediately go through. And if that's why they, they, they were trying to finagle this thing, then I got no problem blasting away on it. Uh, because, you know, you look at the ability of the city to house its own people, part of that problem and responsibility is with the housing authority. We're 2,500 units behind. Where are yeah. these people? Well, that's you know? not, I don't think that, you know, I think the, I think the units, that doesn't fall on Steve Beauregard. I think that falls on the city. Uh, well, it falls on know. the city in coordination with the housing authority mm -hmm. to get the grants to build the I, housing that the citizens I think of the city, city need. Yeah, I think city government's been pretty resistant to additional housing units. I, I, I don't, I just, I, you know, listen, it's a huge problem. Um, I just don't think it's, I don't think you can put that on the housing authority. I think that's well, entirely the policy. That's entirely the policymakers. That's the people who make the policy. And that's yeah. not, that's not Steve Beauregard. That's, he, you know, that's not Steve. That's, that's the, well, who that's makes the city the government. policy, Marcus, to allow for trip towers which was originally designed for senior citizens in the city of New Bedford. And you go down there and half the population is under the age of 50 with Section 8 certificates. Okay. Yeah. And that isn't I, under the housing authority. You know, I, don't, I don't know as much about that uh, as you do, um, to be frank. Uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to read a little bit more into that uh, particular situation. I'm, I'm sure you all like Mr. Board. I'm sure he's a great guy. But the political stuff involved in here is what's holding this whole thing oh, well, up. Well, I mean, so, yeah, no, of course that's, of course it is, of course it's a political thing. Um, but but define define the political thing. I'm telling you what the political thing is. That's the definition of the problem. Yeah, and, and, it could be. I, the, I I just don't the, have I just don't have a firm answer on that. I just I do know that there I do I know there's people like I said there's people in the city, city council that, like Steve and don't want to see him go for right. the licensing okay. board. And and the other thing was. When, when uh, uh, what you call Spillane was mentioning these increases. If you go back, Cynthia Walkers, who I've never met, came into the city under the Kalers administration. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, the various departments like the Council on Aging were 
independent agencies operating with the city of Bedford. But for some reason, she became the director out of all of them. That happens through city council policy, where she's in charge, and this council on aging has an assistant director. I'll tell you what, if I'm on that council, I'm, I'm listing all the agency that she allegedly is in charge of, and I'm eliminating her authority over them. And for each elimination, I'm going to reduce her salary $30,000. 30000 that's, that's a lot. I mean, when, when you think of what she actually does for the city of New Bedford in her position that she got in the Kayla's administration and this constant fusing of agencies to come under her leadership is completely unnecessary. Yeah. You've got qualified people running the Council on Aging but they eliminated the director several years ago. So it comes under her jurisdiction. I've got nothing against the lady. That's, that's the way she played her politics. Fine. Now it's time for the council to turn the policy around and reverse it and put it back to the 65,000 that she started with. Not 145,000. What are they out of their minds? That's crazy. It's, 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 it's a pretty shocking pay raise. Uh, you know a little bit more about this particular person than I do. Again, because I don't know. I've never met her. Well, that you know I, I more just about know the policies that, that that have occurred that allowed her to to gain right. this power. Yeah, no, I, I again, none of it, none of it makes a lot. Of, none of that makes a lot of. Uh, none of that makes a lot of sense to me either. Uh, honestly, I, I don't. I don't get it either. Um, especially considering, I'm pretty sure Council Moore had put a. Uh, put him tried to put an amendment forward to um, reduce the pay of the DPI commissioner, which is pretty incredible, which is pretty awful. Um, I think purely out of spite, out of pettiness, uh, because she doesn't like the DPI commissioner, even though, like I said, well, like I said, the city, the, the, the DPI, the DPI more than any other department gets that city council votes, you know. Don't, don't you wish sometimes we could just get the, the, the jurisdictional policy of the legislative branch? And the jurisdictional policy of the administration uh, with complete truthfulness and honesty across the board so that decisions can be made based yeah. on merit. And, and, but we, we, for some reason, the politics always gets in the way. Well, well, you know, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to uh, tip my hat to, to Councilor uh, 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 Pereira and Councilor, uh, what's his name? Burgo. Uh, Burgo. Yeah, uh, for doing it, that, that is simply like uh, what's McCall was saying. That, that's a parliamentary move. Yeah, that's all. You know, it is necessary for them, and then they did it. Hey, that's I, the way it goes. I I I agree, uh, especially when you look at the votes and you say, okay, well, this is what I want to happen. This definitely isn't going to happen the way it is now. So I'm going to try to make it happen another way. I I agree. I, I thought it was a good leverage of your position, and I think he made a great point when he said. This actually shows how much power a city councilor can have, or two city councilors can have. If two city councilors can leave and end the meeting, then two city councilors could have ran that whole meeting because they could have said no to certain things, and those things couldn't have gotten through because That's they right. needed six votes. So yeah, I, I, very, very I, important stuff. I, I, at first, I, you know, I, I like I said, I went into that interview with Shane with a different set of questions than I, or a different. Uh, a different, you know, like a different expectations than I came out of it with. And I thought his argument was really convincing. Again, Councillor Carney's going to join us next week. So we're looking forward to that. Too, yeah. 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 Hey, Tom, hey, I'm going to take this break. What was the final vote on the, the sheriff's race? How many did he win by? I had 2,913. Yeah, something like that. It, the, the, it was like 49 point something to 50 point something. He, it no, was I, close. I, I mean, I, 
I'm looking at my clairvoyancy and, and predicting two days before. Yeah. I, I've had put down 2,913. I don't know what the final was. Oh, it was, like, it was like 2,800. Yeah, so I was off about 100 votes. Yeah. Not bad. Not yeah, no, bad. it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Thanks for you guys. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the call, Tom. Appreciate it. I got to take this break. I'll be right back. New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. Help Ukraine. Take South Coast tonight with you wherever you go. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or get their podcast on the app at WBSM.com. Now, back to South Coast tonight. Hey, welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500. So you can get on. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. If you have the WBSM app, you may have gotten a notification that Sheriff-elect Paul Haro will be joining us at 8 o'clock right after the news. So after the news and the intro, uh, you will hear from Sheriff-elect Paul Haro. He just toured the facilities at the Bristol County House of Correction today with uh, with Sheriff Hodgson, and he's got some reaction. You know, there was some media coverage here, but he's going to add some commentary that hasn't been in the media coverage, including our own coverage, which you can find at WBSM.com. So you'll definitely want to hear that. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Hello. Marcus. What's up? Steve Warragad. Hey, first Steve. Time call, first time caller. How's it going? Not good. Why is that? I just hate people kicking a shot at me when they don't know what the fuck they're talking oh, about. Oh, Steve, I can't. You can't. You can't. Uh, you can't. You can't swear uh, on the air like that. If you want to call in and um, if you want to call in and uh, sometime and you got to you got to can't do that. But um, uh, I got to take a break. That's interesting. All right. So if you're just tuning in, you can give us a call at 508-996-0500. Um, and we can, uh, we can, we can chat, but I got, I got Sheriff like Paul Haro calling at 805. So probably take your calls and messages uh, sometime a little bit later mate in the eight o'clock hour after I speak with Sheriff Rowe, he's going to be call- he's going to be joining us uh, via phone again. He, he just toured the facilities of the Bristol County house of correction and, um, and, uh, and, um, yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. So, So, <laughs> oh, so uh, never a dull moment at South Coast tonight. All right, listen, I'm gonna uh, uh, we're gonna we got we got Paul Haro calling in at eight oh five. We have um, we have Paul Haro calling in at eight oh five. We're gonna talk to him about his transition. Uh, he's got some comments that weren't included in some of his comments earlier, but there is a column on WBSM.com. It's a sorry, an article on WBSM.com, a column's opinion, articles, news. And what I have is on WBSM.com is news. I was told that, uh, that I discipline my, um, I discipline the, my, uh, my, uh, vocabulary that I use for the things that I write. So the article on WBSM.com is up and you can look, look at that if you want some background prior to the interview. 
Um, but we'll have Haro on to talk about some of his reactions. And again, I think you'll, no matter what side of the this race that you fell on, I think you'll, um, I think you'll really, I think you'll really uh, enjoy uh, what he has to say, or I think you'll be surprised by what he uh, has to say. So, um, and then you know, going after that, we've got title. You know, we've got a lot to talk about. There's the Title Forty Two decision that came down from the Supreme Court. There's other stuff that's going on, so we'll be looking forward to uh, to speaking with you. And also, if you want to talk about the the walkout by uh, by Shane Burgo and Ryan Pereira in protest to um, uh, a city council meeting, we can definitely talk about that as well. There were some interesting comments, I think, from the mayor, from Councillor Burgo, and of course, we'll hear from Councillor Carney on that probably uh, sometime next week. So, again, stay tuned. Paul Harrow's uh, calling. Uh, Paul Harrow is going to call in at 8, and I will see you guys on the other side of the 8 o'clock hour after the news.